Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. Many Americans are just they're speechless about what's happening. It's like you just cannot believe what's happening in front of your eyes. You feel it it has to be a movie and sooner or later you can turn off the channel. This can't possibly be happening in our country. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. And we are live. Welcome to another incredible interview here on the Freedom Media Network. Today, we're going to talk about something that's been occurring at a more rapid pace since this COVID mess began, and that is people freaking out, banning, censoring other types of things about anyone who talks about natural health ideas. We're going to talk about all that more with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny in a moment. Well, welcome back. As I mentioned, we have Dr. Sherry Tenpenny with us today. She is an osteopathic medical doctor, board certified in three specialties. She was the full-time emergency medicine physician and director of a level two trauma center from 1986 to 1998. She's the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center, a medical clinic located near Cleveland, Ohio. Opened in 1996, her company provides a natural holistic approach to getting well and off prescription medication. Her approaches have attracted patients from all 50 states and 17 countries. Dr. Tenpenny has also invested 20 years in more than 40,000 hours documenting and exposing the problems associated with vaccines. As an internationally known speaker and author, her many articles have been translated into at least 15 languages. She's a frequent guest on radio and TV to share her knowledge and educate parents on why they should just say no to vaccines. Dr. Tenpenny, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, the first question, before we get into vaccines and natural health and the mask agenda, which we were talking about offline, um, first question I always ask my guest is that word freedom. What does the word freedom mean to you? Um, the ability to make choices on your own, to, to, um, um, have the ability, the right to refuse without ramification, or actually just the rights to do what you want without ramifications. Of course, within the boundaries of law, and that you're not impinging on someone else illegally, but the right to choose and the right to refuse, and particularly when it comes to vaccines. I'm sure you've had videos banned from the various social media. Uh, you know, we've seen over the past several months, uh, Dr. Erickson and doctors in California getting banned, people not saying everything that conforms to the WHO. Last week, Joe Rogan on his podcast uh, spoke ill of masks. 
right? Uh, as we talked about offline, uh, they're considering mask ordinance here in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, they passed one up in Greenville, South Carolina. They passed one in, uh, they're passing them across the, the country. Our congressman here yesterday came out and called for a statewide uh, uh, mask ordinance. So we're seeing this now, but Joe Rogan, makes a comment about masks and people attack him mercilessly. I'm sure you've been attacked, criticized, banned, all that. What is the agenda behind the freak out, the censorship and the bans? Because typically free speech was equated to, if you violated it right, uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater. Now that's been equated to people said, Joe Rogan, people are going to die because he criticized masks. There's, I've never seen this level of vitriol over this. What is the agenda behind the freakouts, the banning, the censorship over not just masks, not just vaccines, but it seems a growing number of natural health ideas, even having a discussion of them? Boy, I don't know. That's really tough because the evidence is unequivocally in the favor of not masking. You know, it's just unequivocally. First of all, I mean, the death rate from this virus is extraordinarily low. It's a fraction of what it is even on an annual basis for influenza. They, I, I saw a post on my Instagram a couple of days ago by somebody that, I think it was a physician, who said, I've seen that the, the masks do nothing to prevent people from getting sick or from spreading viruses or from contracting viruses. But what the masks actually do is really do cause real illness, things like chronic sinus infections, yeast infections, erysipelas, which is a strep infection that generally occurs around your nose and your in your face. The people that already have chronic lung diseases, things like asthma, allergies, ADD, uh, I'm sorry, asthma, allergies, uh, COPD, emphysema, uh, people that are smokers. I mean, it drives up their CO2 levels and people who are already chronically uh, uh, have elevated CO2 levels, which increases their risk of of cardiac events and strokes and makes them more acidic for, and which increases your risk of developing cancer cells. I mean, uh, the, the evidence against masking is overwhelming. What, what I would really question would, would really um, want to know the answer to is who's putting this stuff in the ears of governors and why are governors practicing medicine without a license? And why are they going along with the consistent message of the CDC, which they have proven to do everything wrong? I mean, every single one of their projections have been wrong since this thing started in March. I mean, why are we going with their what they say that we should do when there's overwhelming evidence in the opposite direction? You know, one of the things that I've been saying is that it seems as though they, the powers that be and the people, the, the pupper, puppet masters at the top of the pyramid, they made a, a list of all the things that were good and all the things that were right and all the things that, of, that people wanted, like freedom of speech and freedom to, to uh, congregate and, you know, the rights, freedom of religion and all those things. And it seems as though they made a list of all of those good things. And then they put the list of all the opposite of those good things on the other side and put those into force. It just seems as though every single thing that they have done has been the exact antithesis of what we need as humans. And when you talk about what we need as humans, um, you know, here we've talked to doctors here locally who haven't been doing transplants. People, you know, everyone thinks of elective surgeries and it's not, this isn't a just getting like a wart removed from your toe. I mean, some elective surgeries are pretty darn important, important to, to <laughs> remaining alive. What do you think the 
the overall cost will be because mm. because the mantra was saving lives just save one life but is it net lives or is it gross lives right because if people aren't getting transplants if people aren't getting other treatments they need maybe we're saving covid patients but at what cost you nailed it you're exactly right i mean we have innumerable i mean i'm sure there's hundreds if not thousands of videos of of uh, hospital systems all around the country that were empty we know for a fact that doctors are being laid off, their salaries are being cut back by a third to a half, nurses are being laid off, ancillary personnel in hospitals are being laid off because there's no patients. <laughs> so there's like nobody there. And that they were also very concerned about patients that really do need to get medical care, people that are insulin-dependent diabetics, that have uncontrolled hypertension, um, maybe, maybe people that have cancer. I mean, or, or they're missing getting diagnosed with cancer. I mean, the, the cost of this will be in the multiple trillions when it's all said and done. I mean, entire industries have gone away. And the and then you think about the supply chain that goes into those industries, like the like the cruise industry or anything that has to do with travel industry. Everything that goes into those industries, from food to those little soaps that you get to shampoos, I mean, um, to the, the laundry mats that wash the sheets. I mean, the, the supply chains going into any given business, I don't know that we'll ever see the full amount of what this has cost us on a global level. When you talk about all of those things that have fallen apart, all those things that have fallen apart in the healthcare system. And to your point about if we're not doing transplants and transplants are, they're time sensitive, you know, suddenly an organ becomes available. It's not like you can just like put it in the refrigerator for a couple of weeks until it's time for that. You can go right. into the, and make it happen. So, um, we're the, the destruction to humanity the destruction to the global economy, the dis destruction of, and disruption of those supply chains that of everything that if every industry you could think of, if you back out the supply chain, it's the total destruction of everything. Everything as we know it, taking away religion, taking away freedom of speech, allowing thugs to run on our streets and tear down monuments and destroy our history. I mean, I, I imagine that many Americans, particularly people that are like maybe my age or your age and maybe a little bit older, are just they're speechless about what's happening. It's like you can hardly even put it into words because of the you, you just cannot believe what's happening in front of your eyes. You feel it it has to be a movie and sooner or later you can turn off the channel. This can't possibly be happening in our country, but it is. Yeah, and I and I can't help but think or or know. And I worked in government for a long time. And so, you know, when people tell me trust experts, I used to be the guy who bought experts. Right, paid for experts, and I knew the other side of it was doing the same thing, and that's one reason I got out of it. So when people tell me experts are cool, I once sat in a room where lobbyists divvied up who was going to write the food pyramid. So when people tell me things are about science, it's like, right, well, who's paying for that science, right? The when we look at things that are going on right now, like you said, it, it feels like you're in a movie, and you look at and you start digging below the surface. And you start realizing that maybe it's multiple parties, uh, China, Russia, I, I, you know, drug makers, whatever it is. I just get this overwhelming sense. I mean, like here in Charleston, we had peaceful protests. The protesters left and then other people came in from out of town to do some destruction. And you start looking at it at um, things like they are still after, I think it was Oxford University, 
the professor came out and said, well, our biggest problem now is finding test subjects because the vaccine or the uh, the virus is disappearing. It's like that's completely ignored. The New England Journal of Medicine published a a story, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago where the doctor said, don't wear masks. The masks don't do anything. And like almost like clockwork, as soon as that came out, the mask ordinances, everything became more powerful on that. Um, You know, Fauci came out in March on 60 Minutes and laughed at people who would wear masks. And it was almost a placebo. Yeah. And it's a placebo. (laughs) It's almost as if as soon as somebody says that someone pushes a button and they do an about face and say, oh, no, no, I was wrong. I was wrong. Is there an agenda here by something? Is it the drug companies? Is it Russia? Is it China? Is it all of the above? It, it, like you said, it's like it's like we're in some interesting James Bond movie where I picture someone somewhere in a mountain lair laughing at us right now. Um, I said that from the very beginning. I said, you know, how quickly they were able to topple entire industries and take the entire world to its knees. That those people, I said, those people at the top of the, you know, the little puppet masters at the top of the top of the pyramid had to have been sitting back somewhere with their feet up on a desk, smoking a stogie going, look what we did in three weeks. They all complied. Look at that. Look what happened. Wonder what we can do next. Wonder what little button we, if we, you know, like what we made them do so quickly. What if we poke that button? If they'll do that next. If we'll take this away, they'll do that next. And it's like the whole world, it's like just stopped. And nobody said, wait, stop. I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. And there may be isolated onesies, twosies of us, but we're talking, you know, 320 million people in America and 300 and uh, there's there's 322 million people in America and 321.5 million of them said, okay, I stop. Right. How did that happen? I mean, you know, I did an interview earlier today and one of the questions to to me was, what did I think was the biggest, one of the biggest problems in the world today? And my answer unequivocally is the lack of courage, Hmm. the lack of courage to stand up for what our principles are, to stand for our constitution, our bill of rights, to stand against these these thugs, I mean, how dare these thugs go walking down the street? I mean, masks were, masks were always illegal, right? You can never wear a mask to go into a bank. Now I'm required to wear a mask to go into a bank. I, they meet me at the door and tell me to put on a mask before I go in and sign a piece of paper that I need to sign and be out of there in less than five minutes. You know, and, and so all of these things, I mean, it, everything is upside down, backwards, inside out. It just really makes no sense at all. And in terms of agendas, the agenda is, you know, UN Agenda 21, which turned into 2030, which is now the 17 state sustainability goals, which is like total capture of all of humanity to one world government, one world army, one world religion, one world money, one world everything. And, and they had to take America down and put her, bust her up and put her on flat on the ground because she was um, holding up their agenda to their to their capitalization or to, to the global the global capture of the entire world and it's interesting now you you see the uh, uh you know i'm in a i'm in a, a southern state I, I grew up in chicago uh or chicago area and you know we're in a state that i was told by a local medical professional that there were four i don't know if this is true but this is what i heard only four uh, active cases at the medical university of South Carolina, huge medical university, right? Of course they furloughed, they, they laid all these people off. Um, but we opened up beginning of May 
went to restaurants. Our kids are at camp and all these things, right? Florida, Georgia. All of a sudden you're seeing, and it it seems as if COVID and masks have become a proxy for political agendas, right? And you see the underlying, those country redneck bumpkins down in red states, and I'm libertarian. So I, I, you know, for me, it's like, but you, you see it, it's, it's those idiots down there. And thank goodness for governor Pritzker who has locked us down. Now I interviewed Dan Proft, uh, who's a national syndicated talk show host. He's in Chicago. And he said, Kurt, I don't know when the last time you were in Chicago, but you may not recognize it. If you're here in a year major, they're, they're not going to open up their restaurants to indoor dining, supposedly till the end of this month, major restaurant groups, are going to leave the city. Not to mention the fact that things are boarded up there because of, of every of the riots that happen. But you're going to have massive industries. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people have already left Illinois. You look at New York, you look at, at California, but you see this underlying proxy war for Southern states, country bumpkins. You could, you know, it's masks now, but in two months, it'll be something else. They'll, they'll come up with something else. Um, well, the masks, the masks have, a, have an agenda, I believe, all in on their own. I mean, you know, think of not only is there the medical ramifications that we just, you know, touched on briefly about the lower oxygen and the higher CO2 and the infections and those things. But there's also this, this psychosocial thing. I mean, what are we hiding from? Or what are we hiding from? Or what is separating us? That those of us, I mean, humans learn to read facial expressions from the time they're infants. And um, I've had p- parents, or I've had people tell me that, you know, they put on their mask and they pick up their baby and their baby doesn't recognize who they are. And they don't know what that means. And their whole personality sort of changes when they see this mask over the face of their mother or their father. And so there's a psychosocial sort of thing from that. And then there is the people who mask and want to hide. And those are people who don't. And now that's separating our society at another level. And, you know, heaven forbid, we're already separated on so many different levels. This is separating the masked versus the unmasked. And the unmasked people are selfish and, and they're, they, right. they're going to harm people. Like, really? Where's there any proof of that? Where's there any proof that that I'm going to spew viruses on someone and make them ill? Because there isn't any. I mean, there was several sizable studies that have been done uh, that have shown that there this whole concept of asymptomatic carrier is just a concept. It really isn't true that you're not spreading any infection unless you are physically ill. You have a fever, you're coughing, you're sick. You, you look like you've been infected by something. And it's sort of the same thing that they've, tr- they've done over the years about the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, right? The unvaccinated are just dirty little carriers that are just spewing measles and mumps everywhere because they're not vaccinated, right? Is that true? No, it's not true. So now they're doing the same thing with COVID, only now they're doing it with a mask. And this mask, this whole separation of people and not being able to recognize these other faces. You know, Kurt, one of the things I'm looking, I'm, I'm hoping will happen out of this. I, and I hope somebody hearing me will, this will plant a seed, but I think that it, there should be a large body of deaf people who get behind the American disability mm-hmm. association and say, I read lips. That's how I communicate. And now I can't read lips. Now you are impinging upon my rights and my disability. And I hope they, they have a big class action lawsuit about yeah. it because now what we're talking about, we're creating masks as fashion statements. Somebody sent yeah. me a picture of a, of a storefront. It looked like it was inside of a mall. 
And the name at the top of the storefront was COVID-19, everything that you need. And it was, and it was all these mannequins around with all different types of masks of different types of fabrics and things like that. And they had walking sticks that were six feet long. So you could keep your distance from everybody. I mean, how long has that been in the works? It looked like a chain. It looked like, like some sort of a chain that you would have like maybe Chico's or something. It had a logo and all this stuff. And it was, and it was a real thing. It was a real, cause there were people standing outside the door looking in like, what the heck is this? And so it, and it looked like it was in a mall. And now what we are doing in terms of the decimation of humanity, the separation of humans, that humans like to touch and hug and high five and sit next to people in scary movies and sit next to your buddies at the bar while you're watching a ball game, you know, and, and talk about those things. Now we are separating everyone and we are masking them. So we're hiding them. So we are turning humans into inanimate objects inanimate objects. So if something happens to that human, well, it doesn't really feel like anything anymore because now we have, we have psychologically turned them into something that's less than human, which feeds it, which is all this testing is harvesting people's DNA, which will go into the AI community and into that whole trans transhumanism movement. In my opinion, that's where this is all heading. That's what we're doing with all of it. What, when I see people, and it's like, I can't even go on Facebook anymore because there are people who are so obsessed with the mask thing that it's like every 10 minutes, they're posting about masks or posting about you're, you're arrogant, you're killing other people if you don't wear the masks. And it's like, listen, whatever. And they seem to be citing something. Oh, there was a study that if we just all wore masks, it would reduce transmission of this virus by 80%. Someone quoted something about, uh, it was 17% uh, increase in spread without masks, but only 3% with masks. What are they citing? What is, I've seen the WHO go back and forth and the CDC and everyone. What's the truth about these? I mean, aside from uh, uh, the harmful effects of the masks, what are people, where are people getting this information that masks are helpful? I have no idea. Seems as though it's to me, either it's the, who's ever paying them to say that is telling them that. You know, are they paid trolls? We don't know that they are, or they aren't. But, you know, at some level, we know that some of them are, right? And right. then the other thing is like a flip of a coin. I mean, really, I mean, here's something that I think is pretty hysterical about the mask. It's like we're, having to wear a mask on an airplane, except if you're eating and drinking, so half of the people on the airplane are constantly eating and drinking. They have on no mask. The other people have on a mask. So what good is a mask to anybody? And now they're going to stop serving alcohol on airplanes on long haul flights because people get up and have to go to the bathroom and they have a little clowner there of how many people can go to the bathroom. I mean, you're in a, 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 in a tube that's enclosed at 35,000 feet. If one person doesn't have on a mask, that means everybody's contaminated by their theory, right? But yet they no middle seats. And, you know, I used to fly. I love to fly. I mean, I've been a, a, a platinum member with Continental slash United for like 27 years. That means I've flown 75 to 100,000 miles a year for almost 30 years. And I love it. I never got tired of it, never got frustrated with it, even with the crappy TSA stuff and all those things. But the chance of me getting on an airplane that's been virus sighted mm -hmm. and has all that, I mean, seriously, think about that. I don't know that I want, and I can't wear a mask. I mean, I seriously, if I have one on for just like the five minutes when I had to go in the bank and sign those papers, I I'm, I'm lightheaded and I have a headache and I can't think clearly. And they've actually proved that that's true. There is nothing that stops any of there's all kinds of studies that have come been written for 
the last 15, 20 years on any type of mask, whether it's a cloth mask, a paper mask, the N95 mask can uh, prevent some of the viruses going in out, but it has to be a tight seal. It has to be fitted to your face. You could never wear it with like a beard or a mustache like what you have. And it, it can't just like dangle over the front of you and you think it's doing anything because it doesn't. So the evidence is to the contrary. Wherever they're coming up with this stuff saying that percentage of this and that is just nonsense. I read somewhere where they said that putting, a, putting on a mask to prevent either the transmission out or the breathing in of a virus is like putting up a chain link fence around your garden and keeping out mosquitoes. I mean, it just doesn't work at all. And they, there was one study that they did that was actually really quite good. And, and the other thing that's happening is that all the things that show the bad stuff about about um, masks is just being stripped off the Internet. It's just been stripped. It's like you can't find it anywhere. They strip it from PubMed and everything. There was one study that we I found a... Um, it was like a, an article that was written about the study, but I couldn't find the link to the real study, even using some of my deep dive tools that I have to try to find them. And it was a study that showed um, uh, they, they did it with Petri dishes. So they had like a Petri dish and they had somebody with a no mask that had a cough, cough under the Petri dish. And then they had somebody that had a cough. Uh, the same people put on the, a mask and then cough into the Petri dish. And it was both the same was both the same. And so whether they were coughing into the Petri dish with a mask on or with it off, the same amount of growth and the same bacteria were in there. So the mask is doing nothing, nothing. Looking at, at some of the data, you referenced the data before on COVID. Um, what, what's the truth about COVID in, in terms of how much do we have to worry about it? You, 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 I've looked back at, at the Spanish flu. We didn't stop the world. Uh, I've read there, there might've been some social distancing things, but we, we, we won a world war while we were doing it. Uh, Hong Kong flu. I mean, I was joking around with my wife. I said, I've, uh, I was always taught the sixties were weird. Right. But yeah, we had some riots, but apparently they had more courage than we do now. They pushed through and, and looking at the data, you know, Spanish flu and Hong Kong flu certainly affected a wider, wider, uh, range of age groups and humans. When we look at COVID, well, then, well, What's let me the add, a couple, add a couple of more. Yeah. You've got SARS yeah, in 2002, please. bird flu in 2005, swine flu, H1N1 in 2009, and now we have COVID, right? And so the first article I wrote about this on my website, which is vaxxer.com, V-A-X-X, V as in Victor, A-X-X-T-E-R, was uh, the first, I wrote a series of three articles. I got a fourth one coming out, hopefully this weekend, on the masks, by the way. But the first one was um, same playbook, different virus. Hmm. same playbook, different virus. So the death, and I said, when we started this, that in March, I said, we're going to find out this is a big fat, nothing burger virus. It's not going to be any more deadly than any other influenza virus. We've known the coronaviruses have been around for 60 years, six zero, 60 years. There's 36 of them. Four of them are known to cause commonly cause influenza-like illness every year. Up to 40% of influenza-like illness that people experience on an ongoing basis is caused by a coronavirus. Now we've got a coronavirus that may be a little bit more virulent. Maybe maybe it was manipulated in a, in a lab. There are certainly arguments on both sides of that. Some credible people saying it was and some that it wasn't. But nonetheless, at its core, it's an RNA coronavirus which is not much in terms of, of, of severe illness. We see more deadly illness every year on a global basis from influenza viruses. And we see three times more illness and death every single year from tuberculosis. Hmm. And so uh, 
we've, we, the media has caused this fear. It's, you know, the virus is real. The pandemic is not. The pandemic is propaganda at its highest possible level of propaganda. And they're using fear as the tool and as the weapon to make people be subject to compliance. And, and, and of course it's horrible when, when anyone dies. I mean, if, if you, if you have a relative, all kinds of things, exactly. Yeah. 600,000 people die of heart disease uh, every year. And probably some of those same people are the ones lecturing me about wearing a mask and they haven't worked out in six years. Um, and they but, smoke and they have, and they're obese and they're on polypharmacy. They're on lots of different drugs. They're just under underlying un- unhealthy. So if those people feel, even if it's at the placebo level, because you know, placebo really has value. If you really look at what mm, placebo yeah. really means, right? I mean, it really can have value. So if you are one of those underlying unhealthy humans and you feel like you wearing a mask protects you from getting sick and you really believe it, Quite frankly, it probably does, but it's more on that psychological level and what the power of the mind does in terms of beefing up your immune system and making you intrinsically healthier by the power of your own mind. But me wearing a mask doesn't keep you, the smoker, obese person, polypharmacy thing from getting sick. It's like I've said for years, Kurt, it's like me getting a flu shot doesn't keep you from getting the flu. You know, if you are all those things that we just described. And, and, and I, I would assume just as uh, the placebo effect, that succumbing to fear and anger and anxiety and these things can also have a nocebo effect, right? Of, exactly. of almost like a voodoo doll. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Hey, everyone. This is Kurt Mercadante, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos... It's so important for people to have a process to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There, you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free, and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day, a week, a year of freedom and abundance. Um, so speaking of, of, of deaths and deaths that have occurred right now, one of the things that, that when we talk about living in a movie, right, and you look at this collective consciousness of people just kind of moving like zombies in one direction, the one thing it's, it's, it's if people got half as fired up as they do about masks, about the governors who condemned seniors to these death camps. And I saw you, you, you wrote a tweet about that this week. 
why aren't more people talking about this? I mean, we as of last week, I believe the Minnesota governor was still taking recovering COVID patients, putting them in nursing homes, where for a while they weren't even testing the, the nursing home, the people who worked at the nursing home. I, I, I mean, it is akin to no less than murder, right? And, and Andrew Cuomo arrogantly said, I don't care, it's the law, and then quietly drew back and stopped doing it when he realized, because wasn't some upwards of over 50% of the deaths in nursing homes? And so someone's going to lecture me about a mask because I may have gone to the local grocery store without a mask, but they won't say a word about a governor who just, governors who contributed to the deaths of tens of thousands of humans? Well, I think that the statistics nationwide are, are kind of riding around the fact that almost half of all deaths nationwide are nursing home patients. So if you're taking someone who's already sick and you're, you know, recovering and they still may be spreading shedding virus and putting them amongst the people that they're always talking about that we need to protect the most, the most, the elderly and the most vulnerable. Right. And then you're sticking them, you know, putting, putting like the, the, uh, the, the dirty Q-tip, so to speak, you know, metaphorically in there with them. Uh, it, th there's so many things about this that are upside down and backwards. That's just one. I mean, that's just one of many. I mean, why, why aren't, you know, we can get people and boy, uh, yes, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We can get tens of thousands of people marching in the street over Black Lives Matter, but we can't get tens of thousands of people marching in the street about the freedoms that we're giving up, you know, uh, off the censorship issue that we're having, about the loss of jobs and employment, you know, that happened from uh, this whole, whole entire shutdown, the entire restaurant industry, like you were saying, is shutting down, um, taking away our right to, uh, you know, what's happening with our election, that they're going to, you know, mail in ballots. We can't get a hundred people marching in the street over that. And the decimation of our country and the erasing of our history, we can't get anybody marching in the street over that. But, you know, what's wrong with our priorities? What's wrong well, with us as a nation I, with our priorities? You know, I think our, our society has been become one big virtue signal. And you have people who will share something on social media about race and they haven't given race a thought in 25 years. But now they're going to share something on social media. And not only that, here's the new thing that people are sharing. I shared this on social media. And if you didn't, I see you. And it's like, well, I see you too. You haven't done a thing. You know, you talk about the, I, I was telling someone this yesterday. We do a lot of interviews. We have done a lot of interviews. We homeschool our four kids. I think the public school system, the government school system is not only racist, it's broken and it's created to design a nation of dunces, right? We dumb people down on a regular basis. And it's been documented. I mean, the redlining that they did in certain neighborhoods, you want to talk about structural racism? Like, first of all, who's in, in charge of the structures? Secondly, you go into our schools, right? But if you're going to be mad about masks, that's what you're going to fall on your sword of. But you won't do a thing. Like you said, you won't march in the streets over fixing our education system. You won't march in our streets over the economic, absolute economic damage that has been done to this country. And it's just, it, like you said, it, it's this collective consciousness of, of it's like the Pied Piper and these zombies marching behind like sheep. And it's just like, okay, over here, and, and someone puts on, and, and they all move that direction. And if you have any type of alternate view, 
And and I'd love to move. I'd like to move into vaccines and, and some of the other things. But on vaccines, I mean, you can't even mention the word vaccine. The word, the term conspiracy theorist. I mean, from what I understand, it was in it was created by the CIA to, to do. But now it applies. Conspiracy theorist is just anyone who thinks differently than I guess the majority. Anyone who thinks differently than the government is now a conspiracy theorist. But I think we've seen that the standard we hold, like a Tony Fauci, he could be wrong eight times, but people will say, no, 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 he's just responding to the science. But then if you say something, oh, no, it, it's a complete, or Dr. Erickson, you know, in California, and these people have these, YouTube apparently is doling out medical degrees now, I guess, because even if you have a, a, a medical license in good standing, you can still get banned if you counteract the WHO. I mean, that's what they've said, basically. Well, you know, it, it is the, um, uh, the, ministry of, the ministry of truth, right? Yes, right. <laughs> It is yeah. the Ministry of Truth. It's, uh, you know, for people who haven't read 1984 or you haven't read it since maybe you were in high school or something like that, you really should go read it because this is the Ministry of Truth, which means everything is the exact opposite. And it's only what the, the, the government wants you to hear. It's the propaganda machine. And uh, and it's, uh, you know, like all of these things that they're doing on Facebook and somewhat on, on YouTube now where there's, you know, the, the whole fact-checking thing, you know, right. and censoring you for fact-checking. I, I was asked in an interview yesterday about that, about that whole fact-checking thing, and I said, well, they're checking the facts against what? They're checking, are they checking the internal facts that you've written against maybe the article that you're quoting? Or are they checking what you say against what the propaganda says is the truth? Right. You know, what are they, what are they checking? What is, what are they fact checking against? And it's like the majority opinion. And just because it's a majority opinion that somehow that makes it true. Right. It just doesn't. And that's where the whole ministry of truth sort of comes in, you know, where we are. And it's very scary to a certain degree because I, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't have a pulse on this. Maybe you do have a pulse on how many people really believe that, or is there really a silent majority that says, mm -mm, but they just don't happen to be front and center like you and I are on platforms that we're actually talking, you know, out in front of a bunch of people. I mean, what is yeah. the pulse on the, on the quantity of people behind that, that are the silent majority going, mm -mm, not doing it. Second wave fooled me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Not happening. And I, people have asked me, what do I think about the second wave? And I said, well, I think it's kind of a joke because since we never really had a first wave. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, I, you know, I, I keep hoping that there's a silent majority who will take action. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully they come to the fore. I think that I think that there are people you and I are not afraid to get on and talk about this. Mm -hmm. There are people who are so afraid. I've been told there are people coming into the emergency room here that have been attacked for not wearing masks, physically attacked people getting shouted down in grocery stores. And it's like most people, even if they are part of the silent majority, they want to go about their daily lives and shop in peace. And so they're not going to, they're, they're not, they're not born warriors, right. To, to go and fight for it. Um, and, and they'll vote. The problem is so much happens in between. And at this point, you know, as a libertarian, I'm like, I, I don't know, everyone locked me down. So I'm mad at everyone at this point. Um, but when you, so let's talk about vaccines. Um, because 
you know, you, you want to talk about something that, um, that, uh, my, my wife brings our daughter, right. We homeschool. So we don't have, we don't go through the regular ring and roll. And, and quite honestly, we don't go to the doctors that much. I mean, we go to, we go to a chiropractor every week and if we're sick, we do it, but we're damn healthy. I mean, we eat very good. We eat natural foods. We eat organically. Um, we treat ourselves naturally. And all the people who lecture us about vaccines and health are sick all the time, which is interesting. They think having six or seven colds a year is normal. It's like, no. Um, so we're at the doctor. We've been we, conditioned to that point, you know. To, conditioned to, the, to think that it's, it's normal? Mm-hmm. Through diet, right? Through, through a variety of things, right? Yep. Inflammatory and, and mm-hmm. the like. Yeah. So keep going. I'm sorry, but we've been conditioned. We've been, you know, we've been, you know, we talked about the school system. I mean, think about how the school says the public school system was started with Henry Ford, right? In the 1920s. Why did he create the public school system starting with elementary kids so that he would train them with rote learning? It wasn't about being creative and thinking outside the box. It was so that they would be trained to be work on the assembly line. They do what they're told. They march to the certain thing and that they are very good on an assembly line. I mean, that's where the public educational school system started from the 1920s. And when we started doing things more virtually, it became quite a problem for those people who wanted to do things. So that's where they came up with like common core. So now that we can't teach like, like real math, we got to do like weird deconstructed math somehow. Right. Because that causes all this confusion. And I remember what those parents tell me about their kids that would, you know, they're trying to do two plus two plus two, but you can't do it that way. You have to add it in and all this. And they would sit there and cry. The children would just cry because none of it made sense to them on purpose. And, and it, it, it seems to me that, that we are now, we have created a compliance society yep. where in that school system, we're taught to raise our hand. If you have to go to the bathroom, talk, and by the way, don't talk, speak or act out of line, or we're going to diagnose you with a disorder and drug you up. And I, I see that spilling over into the in, into the health industry, where people will not raise any questions of their doctor. I mean, we know some people who have gotten advice from the doctor, and I'm like, what did they say? You know, and <laughs> they don't question, right? Because it's authority, we comply, et cetera. And I was listening to uh, on the Joe Rogan show, um, uh, Doctor uh, Andrew Weil. And he was talking, he said something, shared a statistic that the average physician interrupts a patient after like 11 or 12 seconds. They, they found a study. As the patient's describing, here's what's wrong with me, they say, okay, boom. And they give him a drug and, and the doctor leaves. The seven minute office visit, right? Is that, I mean, and no one questions that. So I guess we can see the spilling over of the education system to a compliance model, to a lack of critical thinking and putting two and two together to, I interviewed someone, he's in the health and fitness sector. And he said he started getting interested in it when his, 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 uh, his fiance at the time had Crohn's disease. Is it Crohn's disease? Is that your, your colon? Mm -hmm. And the doctor said, told her, yeah, you can eat, you can keep eating Snickers bars and, and stuff like that. And he, He's like, first of all, I've never had a doctor say eat Snickers bars even without <laughs> someone with Crohn's disease. But I, people just don't question it. And when you question it, which, uh, you know, it goes to the heart of the, the topic of this video, people think you're a, a tinfoil hat wearing person. You know, uh, you talk about, you know, whether it's, I want to talk about electromagnetic frequencies. I want to talk about COVID. I want to talk about vaccines. I want to, oh, tinfoil hat, conspiracy theorist, you know, just go over in your corner. 
in and we've had we've struggled with that whole concept. In fact, I started a it's a it's a weekly webinar actually with another physician friend of mine, Dr. Larry Polevsky. We do a Thursday night webinar at seven o'clock. It's called Critically Thinking with Dr. Mm. T and Dr. P. And we kind of talk about the things of the day, but we're getting into some really other ways of of just exactly what you're talking about about this precondition of not wanting. I don't want I don't want any outside influ- influences. I want to live in my little bubble where it's safe, a little snow snowflake, you know, concept that don't tell me anything that might disrupt my world. And if you come in with something different that you're trying to make me think critically or analyze something that disrupts my little world and I can't handle it. So therefore you're the bad guy, you tinfoil hat person, like get away from me. Don't you dare challenge me to think really think, but we, Hmm. we've gone away from that. I mean, think about if you go backwards in time, I mean, I'm, I love history. I I was just a few credit hours short of having a a minor in history when I was in college. And I really love global history. I was also a music minor. So I I was a kind of a (laughs) workaholic from way back. It only was (laughs) academics at that point in time. And so, um, but you know, we don't train people to critically think at all anymore. It's in, in medicine and healthcare. I've been saying this for a long time now that it's algorithm driven medicine. You hmm. know, it's, if it's, if it's A, then B, if it's not A or B, then it's C. And if it's C, well, here's the diagnosis. It's A or B, you know, it's algorithm driven. And if suddenly you get a patient that comes in that doesn't quite fit that algorithm, they, they've got a, a very unusual complex of symptoms or they've got some sort of genetic thing or something that's just really different. And it doesn't fit through that little algorithm that gets to the diagnosis and here's your pill. Well, then they're create they're here. Here's your antidepressant. You know, go see the psychiatrist. There's something wrong with you, patient, because you don't fit my algorithm over here. And I have a really good friend who says that she she she's a, a in an integrative practice, integrative medicine practice, like what I am, and. But they also see a fair number of like just regular conventional patients in their in their practice, the way it's set up. And she said, I spend probably two thirds of my time getting second and third opinions for patients that come to see me because what the doctor had told them just made absolute no sense at all. And it was just like rush to the most expensive procedure, rush mm. through different things. Don't think through like, I'll give you a perfect example. Like for somebody that has like atrial fib, you know, that irregular heartbeat. Sure. The first thing now is they want to go to is an ablation where they take you in and scratch the surface of your heart to make it stop fibrillating. Well, it's the most expensive. It does have risk and it doesn't always work. Well, what about looking at a food? Do you have a food allergy? Do you have some sort of a reaction going on? Do you have some sort of an emotional thing that's happening? You know, I mean, I mean, we don't even, you know, we completely have taken the concept of spirit and emotion and stuff completely out of medicine. I mean, Descartes sort of went down that route in, you know, 200 years ago when he said the church will take care of the spirit and let the physician Mm. take care of the body. But over time, we've tried to weave these things back in together, you know, being mind, body, spirit, you know, uh, in, in one place. But it doesn't fit in the algorithms anymore. And it doesn't fit with the seven minute office visit. You know, I always thought, uh, Kurt, that it would get to my place at one point in time that when patients would come in to see a physician, the place that you would start first, very before any other symptom would be, what's emotionally going on in your life right now? What's happening with your, with your family, with your job, with your kids, with your neighbor? What emotionally stuff is happening with your life? Because that is manifesting in you as a physical symptom. 
Because if we can sort that out first, I would venture to say that probably 70 to 80% of symptoms have some sort of emotional place that it started. And if we can sort that out first, then what little symptoms that are remaining really are physical in your body soma, okay, then we'll do really specific testing to figure out what's what either there's, there's, there's too much of something or not enough of something. That's the only thing that causes disease. That's it. Too much of something or not enough of something. Too much toxicities, too much food, you know, too much bad food, you know, too many drugs and or a lack of something. Exercise, food, water, spirituality, you know, happiness, making you laugh, you know, some uh, right vitamins, nutrients, things like that. That's it. And it really should be the physician's job to sort of ferret that out. And if you start with that emotional piece, what's, what's really going on with you? And I've done that I mean, when I had more time. I, I don't do it quite so much now just for, I only see patients like one, like two days a week in the office now. But when I usually, and we still see patients like 30 to 45 minutes. Hmm. And I still don't feel like I have enough time with people sometimes. But sometimes when you can just tell that, you know, people come in with like a list of symptoms as long as both arms. So in, instead of trying to go in what the conventional doctors do, we'll unwind that. You go to the, gar, the, the gastroenterologist, the pulmonologist, the, the ologist, all the different ologists, all the different special people, right? And you chop the body up into these little pieces and you, you just go tracing these symptoms, chasing these symptoms everywhere. When I see a patient that comes in with more than three or four different symptoms, I always start with what's emotionally going on in your life right now and what's yeah. going on. And they usually start to cry and say, you're, you're the first person who's ever asked me that. And then they tell you this whole big story that falls into every single one of these symptoms that they have. And, you know, if you start to unwind that, it's like a whole different world. And so, you know, the algorithm driven medicine and what you're saying, you know, the alg- what we're doing with all of our society is once again, it's the decimation of humanity. We have to, you know, physicians are taught to look at this body in front of them like it's some sort of mannequin out of the store or something. And you can chop it in different pieces and go to different doctors for it instead of like this whole big unified thing called a body that's working on a cellular level in this beautiful thing that God has made, you know, has really have put us all together. Um, we don't do that anymore. We just don't. When you say algorithmic first person I think of, well, I think of technocrat and the first person I think of is Bill Gates. So speaking of Bill Gates, (laughs) nice uh, segue. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh, and and vaccines, um, you know, I I was listening, uh, Matt Ridley has a new book called why innovation works. And he talks about the history going way back of inoculations and smallpox and mixing the blood with, with some smallpox and doing it. And I've listened to some other folks talk on vaccines who said they're not, they're not anti-vaccine reflexively, but they're anti, I'm paraphrasing here. They're anti all the crap that goes into vaccines is if yeah. Is the, is the concept of inoculation bad or is it more what we've done to these vaccines by throwing stuff into a centrifuge, just piling stuff on it, not testing it and putting it in our bodies? Where, where, where do you lie on that? Uh, well, <laughs> I lie on the continuum that you cannot inject foreign matter of any kind into a human body and have it be beneficial. Okay. Period. Period. You know, there's never, there's no such thing as a clean vaccine, a uh, green my vaccine, the mercury mom movement, the show me the science, and uh, it's just not possible. 
It's just not possible. And so, and the other thing, the concept and and what they sell people on, it's like, well, we just take this little piece of a virus and we inject it into your system and you develop this antibody against it so that when the real virus comes along, it's going to glob onto it and keep you from getting sick. That's the theory behind vaccination. And none of that is true. None of it. I mean, first of all, it's not just a little piece of virus that's coming through the needle. It's a virus plus all these litany of chemicals and animal cells and proteins and foreign proteins that have never been tested for synergistic toxicity in even one vial. Now you get four or five vaccines at one time and you've got synergistic, no synergistic toxicity testing, not only within that vial, but between that vial and that vial and that vial and that vial. You have no idea what's happening. So it's not just a little virus in it that you, I think most people have the concept that like say a flu shot mm-hmm. is just a little weakened or attenuated virus in some sterile water. And we're injecting that into your system. I mean, what could, why isn't that that good? Well, let's say for the sake of discussion, that was all that was in there. That was it. A little virus, a little attenuated virus and a little uh, ster- uh, sterile water or, or uh, saline. Well, the thing is, is that when you inject it into a muscle, the first place it goes is to macrophages, and it eventually ends up as an antibody to the weakened virus that's in the vial, which is not the same virus as the one that's out there in the circulation. So that part of the fallacy, you know, that falls apart. The second thing is when you actually have a real infection, let's say you really have influenza, you know, you have two arms of your immune system, the Th1 and the Th2 arm. The Th1 is hypervigilant all day long. It's happening in our bodies right now as we speak. It's looking for foreign viruses and bacteria that get into our bloodstream every single day by things like eating and chewing and brushing your teeth and having a bowel movement and having sex and cutting your finger. There's bacteria that gets into your system all day long. And your Th1 pathways are just hypervigilant, just neutralizing them and making them go away. When you really, it's not the antibody, it's your Th1 pathways. Antibodies are Th2. So when that, when that system gets overwhelmed, either by a large amount of virus or by a very virulent virus or bacteria that gets into that system that the Th1 can't handle it, it starts to build a fever. And as the fever goes up, it starts cytokines that go out and call at the very end of the infection, the B cells come in and, and, and wrap it around the virus that was there. And then the last thing that happens is they develop an antibody that says, this isn't going to happen again. I'll remember this to the real virus in the presence of real cytokines in the presence of fever. So the last thing to the game, the last, the last thing to the game is an antibody that gives you long-term immunity. So the whole concept of vaccination is just wrong from the get-go. And we've built an entire multi-billion dollar industry on the wrong concept. But now there's so much money, so much power, so much ego, so much, you know, the, the force is moving, you know, like the tsunami is moving down the track. I mean, trying to break that apart and explain that to people, first of all, it causes big cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Because we've been, we've been, we bought the Kool Aid and we bought into the religion of vaccination because we believe in vaccines, right? Do you say I believe in light bulbs or I believe in my car? <laughs> or, you know, I believe in my, you know, my phone. No, it's just a product. But we believe in vaccines, which gives it, puts it into your brain as a religion. And if you start to to go against that religion, oh, the cognitive dissonance that causes the multi generational indoctrination. That's why there's a big blowback because they can't possibly people can't possibly believe they've been they've been duped, they've been scammed, and they were wrong. 
and, and, and they're wiping it. I mean, they've wiped uh, any anything off Google, Google search, uh, Facebook. So when someone comes to, 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 to people watching, right, and says, oh, but look at this graph of smallpox or look at this graph. We'll, we'll forget for a minute that polio now is making a comeback, I think, from what I've read, thanks to the vaccine, right? They're, they're vaccinating more people and polio starting to go up. When they show you these graphs and say it's settled science, it's without a question that it killed these, you know, vaccines ended these things. What's the truth and, and how do you push back on that? Well, if we start with smallpox it's, or with polio, I mean, usually they only show you a piece of the graph, <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't show you like from the beginning to the, the beginning to the end. They'll, they'll show you like, here's the beginning. Here's where the vaccine came into play. And then here's the end. So it makes it look as though the vaccine eliminated this. But these things had been coming down for decades, if not longer, because of hygiene and sanitation. And I also give a lot of credit to electricity because when electricity started coming into places, they could do things like, like um, refrigeration, so that they could keep their food and, and things better longer and didn't end up with maggots. And they, you know, they had better nutrition and, and potable water has been shown. There was a, a study that was done or a paper that came out of Harvard in 2004 that said, you know, we always claim that vaccines are the, the savior of mankind, but really the thing that really changed health conditions all around the planet was clean water technologies, clean water. Interesting. And so, Interesting. so this, and so this whole thing, they only, and I've seen that, I can't tell you how many times they only show you, like, they don't show you what's coming down up here. It's, and they just show you from where the vaccine came in to down here. And so the story then becomes, look, vaccines came in here and like eliminated this. They've done that with polio. They've done it with smallpox. They've done it with pertussis. Um, they've done it with rubella. They've done it with almost all of them. They show you this much of the graph from where the, from where the uh, vaccine came in to be. And now, and now they're, they're pushing the vaccine again. Uh, it's funny. My wife brought our daughter to the doctor and they, I, we hadn't been there a while. And they said, oh, well, she has to, uh, the whooping cough uh, vaccine, it's mandated. My wife was like, by who? Oh, the state. <laughs> and she said, you know, you need to get it. Camp Road Middle School had a breakout. Everyone had it. And my wife said, well, if the vaccine is mandatory, then why was there a breakout? And what you see now is this 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 rabid aggressive push for a vaccine where governors i think pritzker even said no live events until we have a vaccine and even if even if you bought into say the flu vaccine even the people who are pro vaccine say it admit it or say that it's only 50% effective so it's like what in the world you know, it, it's, it, it just leads you to believe back to that. Is there someone in a mountain lair laughing at us all cashing checks right now? <laughs> Truly. I mean, and if you think about that, if you get a flu shot, let's just use that for an example, or even pertussis, you get a pertussis, you know, whooping cough vaccine. And let's, and, and you, let's just stick with flu since it's easier to explain. Let's say you get a flu shot and you don't get the flu. Was it because of the flu shot? Or was it because your vitamin D levels like 80 and you wash your hands and you eat good food and you overall have a healthy system? So what happens if you don't get a flu shot ever and you don't get the flu? Hmm. What does that mean? Like I've never had a flu shot ever and I never would ever. And I've never had the flu. I mean, I haven't had, I haven't been sick enough to, I mean, really up until last September, I hadn't been sick enough to be on an antibiotic since 1991. 
you know, and I don't, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm an unvaccinated adult. I didn't get vaccines when I was a kid because I grew up in a chiropractic family and mm-hmm. I had measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox, you know, pertussis, I think twice. I don't think any of my cousins were vaccinated because um, we all grew under chiropractic care. We grew up on vitamins <laughs> in chiropractic care, you know, right. and my dad, I remember, you know, he was in the Korean war and he hadn't been vaccinated either. And he goes into the Korean war. He said, I was never so sick in my entire life. And so when they decided they wanted to vaccinate me when I was born, he's like, no no way, we're not doing that. And so it's so it's uh, but this rabid stuff. And, and, uh, you know, actually, Kurt, where that actually changed was in about 1971. There was a paper that, you know, they it it was um, the whole concept of herd immunity came out of some studies that were done on measles. They were actual real studies on real measles that were done in the 1930s that they looked at a a closed community and they said that within a closed community, it appeared as though when about two thirds of that population had had natural real measles, it appeared to protect the herd. And that's where that, that concept came from, from the 1930s, that it seemed as though it stopped the trans. What actually happened is when you have two thirds of the population that has had the real measles, it stopped the transmission from one to another. And when the transmission had stopped, that that protected the very old and the very young ostensibly. That was sort of where that came from in the 1930s. Well, in the 1970s, they started deciding that they took that, they trans, they took the, the pharmaceutical industry sort of co-opted that concept of herd immunity and took it away from natural herd immunity and they created medical herd immunity which is what they do with vaccines hmm. and the natural herd immunity that population base needs to be about 65 percent of people that have had the real infection but now you have to have a 91 95 97 percent vaccination rate to stop the transmission what does that tell you it means vaccines don't work and that they go away. And, and that's why you can, almost every one of these outbreaks that they have, that they, when they go back and crunch the data, they'll, they'll show you that 80 to 90% of the people who actually had the infection had had two or more of the vaccines that were, they were designed to protect from the infection. So they don't work. All they do is a marker of contamination. They inject junk into you to, to weaken your system and make you sicker. All of them. Well, Dr. Tenpenny, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, This has been wonderful. Over the coming weeks, we're going to take this, break it up into different news articles, push it out. We'll make sure to tag you. But for anyone watching who wants to live a healthy lifestyle, who wants to not have to get vaccinated and put those things in their body and live a healthy lifestyle like the one that you described, where can they find you? Where can they get access to your resources? You mentioned the weekly uh, uh, webinars that you do. Where's the best place for everyone to, to, to get a hold of that? Well, we have a lot of internet properties because we do a lot of different things. We do an eight-week online boot camp course, a vaccine boot camp course. That open enrollment with that will start in September. Will start in September. We have vaccine the letter u.com, vaccineu.com, where we have individual courses on individual vaccines. We have a resource library. We have two social media platforms. We have a lot of stuff, and it's and that work in different angles. We're really. We, we, we work a lot. But to, instead of looking at each one of those things individually, you can find a collection of everything that I do, including more about my background, my CV, and all of the interviews that I've done recently. If you just go to coursesformastery.com, courses, the number four, mastery.com. It's a landing page where all of our different properties are there. So you can go and sort of see everything we do from like one place and branch out from there in the areas that are, have the most interest to you. Please follow me on Instagram. You know, 
that's Dr. Tenpenny is, is Dr. Tenpenny is my main Instagram page. We do a happy hour with Dr. T every day, Monday through Friday. It's from six to six 30 where we, we, uh, we get together, we share a word of God and we pray and we share a, a drink together. So it's really kind of fun. And happy hour with Dr. T is on, um, on Instagram. It's also on disseminate.tv. And I just started doc- happy hour with Dr. T dot blogspot.com. So I have a blog over there too. So if you just remember happy hour with Dr. T, you know, that's what you really remember and you can find it anywhere. Awesome. Well, we'll put those in all the show notes. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you everyone on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook who joined us and dropped a lot of comments here uh, in this video. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been the Freedom Media Network. Thank you all so much for listening.